Hi, everyone. Welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Euler, and this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. Today, we are highlighting a soft skill that we call managing up. And for some of you, this might be a brand new term. So what do we mean when we talk about managing up? That refers to you managing up to your supervisor, or if you're a management consultant, your client or your manager, making their work life and workload easier and simpler by managing things for them. And I think this is a foreign concept to a lot of people because you think if you're a people manager, for example, you're just in charge of managing the people below you. But in all actuality, those people can help keep you on track if you set the expectation for them that you want them to manage up and you yourself can manage up for your manager or supervisor. And this is, it's huge for people who work in Fortune 500 corporate setting, but I really think it, it's helpful in any industry because the relationship that you have with your manager, supervisor, or client is going to directly affect your reputation and your ability to move up and get good performance reviews. So this is one of my favorite things to teach people about. We've got five or six different tips and tricks. First one with managing up is knowing your audience. So you've really got to understand the working preferences of the person that you're trying to manage up the supervisor or for management consultants, it's clients. And even if, if you work sales, you can also apply this to your clients managing their expectations. But when you know your audience, you understand their preferences for communicating and their work style preferences. I've had managers, I was telling Justin that, you know, I immediately notice when I have managers who are hands-on versus hands-off. And if I've got a manager who's hands-on, that means they want to know about the details. So I might find a way to make sure that they regularly have visibility into the status of whatever initiative I'm doing for them, whatever programs I'm owning for them. But if somebody's hands-off, I know that they think, I, you've got this. There's a reason I hired you. <laughs> you handle this. And I'm probably not going to provide them the details. I want to hone in on what it is they care about and match my reporting out of status of what's going on with whatever book of work I'm owning under them. I want to match that to what they care about. So you need to know what they care about. You need to know how they like to be communicated with. Some people really prefer for things to be documented so that they can reference it in an email while others really prefer that you pick up the phone and shoot a text or call them. And so it's understanding those little things and catering to those preferences. That is the first step to setting you apart from your peers in your ability to manage up. You know, it's funny because I, I feel like in some ways I'm still learning how to do this well. I have a boss who he's an executive vice president. I'm, I'm a smaller practice on his team. And uh, even though I've known him for quite some time, I had never worked for him before. And uh, I've had a couple of incidences that have really brought me back to this principle of knowing your audience and that there was a time where I, I and another practice leader were having a difficult client challenge and we were trying to work through a very difficult situation. And we felt like we'd kind of hit the wall, like we'd gone as far as we could go. And we were trying to escalate it to my boss and get his input and guidance. And he was extremely, he had other priorities and uh, we could not get him to respond. 
and I remember, you know, spending a couple of days getting really frustrated and having conversations with this other practice leader about my frustration. He was frustrated. I was frustrated. We talked about on our last podcast, started to spin a little bit. And I, I do my best thinking like in the morning, in the shower, or I go for a walk in the afternoon. And I went for a walk and I, it just dawned on me. It's like, he's not responding because he needs us to solve the problem, right? He trusts us to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to get my boss's attention in time, I need to figure out the best ways to solve the problem and then let him know what I did. And, and that actually helped to unlock kind of a problem solving, you know, creativity in my brain. And I was able to come up with uh, a path to resolution. I proposed it to my fellow practice lead. He bought into it and we resolved the issue. And, and oddly enough, I think that speaks to knowing your audience because sometimes it's not just how you communicate with them, but it's understanding, you know, when they're silent, sometimes it's because they, they trust you to execute. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, it's help. It's really helpful that story because so many people default to being the victim when they don't get responses totally. instead of going, well, what could I maybe do different that would right. enable this person to respond? Right. right. So, yeah. Yeah. And once he, it's funny, he was, once I came to him, with, with the proposed plan, it's like, that's great. He's like, I, I trust you and, and this other gentleman, I trust you guys to, to figure it out. And you, you guys did exactly that. You, you can allow it to become a stumbling point and, and you can spin and you can get frustrated. But I think part of it, even in that situation is, is acknowledging my boss has got a lot on his plate and there are other, you know, what I see as important may not be what he sees as important in the moment. And he he's put me in that position for a reason. I think that's true no matter where you sit in the hierarchy of the organization, you're there for a reason. And a lot of, a lot of bosses, no matter what level they're at, really want you to, to solve the problem and come, come to them with solutions. So yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. Right. Well, and that's our next tip for managing up wow, is. That was, yeah. That was a beautiful segue. <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah. Bring your solutions to the table. And I was reminding Justin before we started the episode today, that he asked me if I was an undergraduate student or a graduate student when he was managing me early on in my career. And I did not quite know what he meant, but you know, I said, well, okay, I guess I'd rather be a graduate student than an undergraduate. And he said, okay, well, undergraduate students bring problems to the table and graduate students bring solutions. So I expect you to start bringing solutions. It's probably the number one piece of feedback I've gotten, you know, the nature of Justin and I have talked how we work together as management consultants and have primarily our, the bulk of our careers has been in the management consulting industry. And so the nature of that is that you have a new project every, you know, six months to a year ish that you get staffed on and you have a new manager and a new client every single time. And so I've had, because of working in management consulting, you know, I've probably had 20, 30 different managers and and clients. And this is probably the number one thing that I hear from them. Like, oh, you found a problem. That's great. But, you know, 99% of the time, somebody already knows about the problem that you found. And it's not that difficult to point out. It's the, it's the solution. That's the hard part. That's, that's how you differentiate yourself in terms of thinking big about solutions and wanting to be of value to an organization. Yeah. 
I've even drilled this into my into my kids is this idea that it's, it's it's not hard to pick your head up and find a problem. Problems are everywhere. Problems um, are a dime a dozen. That's right. It, what's what's really hard is <laughs> is coming up with solutions, and they don't have to be the best solutions. But there's something about moving into a place of proactively identifying a resolution or resolutions that could be considered. It just changes your mindset. Um, I, I think I feel like that's really the difference between kind of a, a not a stunted mindset, but just a limited mindset versus a growth mindset is mm. is figuring out okay wh- where can we go with this and whether it's your customer or your client or it's um, it's your supervisor or your boss or or a key leader in the organization they are dealing with their they are dealing with risks and problems all day long and they are expecting you to come to the table with some solutions. And even if that's solutions that they can pick from, a menu of solutions they can pick from, they're looking for folks that that are going to come with the resolution in mind. That's well, that's why they're either paying you to provide services or, or goods and services, or that's why they've hired you. It's because they're hoping that you, they're, they're not just hoping, they're banking on the fact, quite literally, that you're going to bring a solution to the table. So that's a, that's a big one, you know, and it's the, the definition my boss gave me of a graduate problem. So this is a boss I had in the army and he probably got it from his boss at some point in his life was, you know, a graduate, a graduate level problem solver says in, in the context of the military, it was like, sir, I had a problem. I fixed it. And this is what I did to fix it. Just letting you know. And uh, that was really drilled into us early on, mm-hmm. but it, it was also incredibly empowering that he trusted us and felt like we were smart enough and capable enough to identify a solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always try to identify a couple of options also for the supervisor to pick from. And it, it goes back to the risks and mitigations, building Absolutely. out that skill set. because part of finding a solution is being able to understand what the root of the problem is. You've got to solve for the root. So you do have to do a little bit of analysis on what the problem is. But it's typical that when you've uncovered a problem that needs a resolution, that you have to stop and think about what that mitigation, what that resolution should be. I think that's really important because then when you present it, it it will come across to the manager, whoever you're asking for permission to move forward with that solution, that you have been putting a lot of thought in it. Whereas if you find a problem and you, you know, you tend to get excited that you found the problem, (laughs) immediately raise it. And if probed, you wouldn't be able to come up with a solution or understand the different aspects of it. And it it will be clear that you haven't thought it through before bringing it to your, to your manager, which isn't a good look, you know? So no, no, they or your customer or client are expecting you to do that work. Right. And so we talked about knowing your audience and understanding the the communication preferences of your supervisor. Do they like an email with progress and status, or do they like you just to bring everything to your weekly meeting with them or however often you meet with them? And some of the tips, if we, if we dive deeper into communication preference preferences is reducing your correspondence and recapping previous discussion points for your supervisor. You were much more of a hands-off manager, Justin. I mean, you you know, when I very first started, you were a little more hands-on because I didn't know what I was doing at all. But <laughs> once I got the hang of it, you were like, all right, you go, tell me if you need me. But one of the things you had said to me is, can you keep 
like an Excel sheet open. And as questions come up, as you think of new ideas, can you jot those down? And it could be an Excel sheet. It could be, you know, one note word on your calendar, how it could be paper and pen, whatever you want to do, but somewhere have a log that you can easily and regularly access. And you log everything that you have for your supervisor. And then in your regular cadences with them, whether it's a meeting or if you maybe send them like a weekly email, you can log all of the questions, any risks that you want them to mitigate, any decisions you're waiting on, any feedback you'd like from them, but you bring it all at the same time. And that really helps reduce the ask on the supervisor's time. If you are emailing them every time you think of something, they're going to stop responding to your emails. Nobody's going to respond to somebody who emails them 30 times a day. But I've noticed that when I take my take all of my questions, I condense them and bring them to a meeting with a client or to, to a meeting with my manager. They listen. I so rarely speak up that guess what? They listen and respond much quicker. Also, when I'm going into a meeting with them, I am recapping the previous discussion that we had because I understand that they're running at 100 miles per hour. If I'm running at 100 miles per hour, you know that my client or manager is running even faster and has even more on their plate. So for me to expect that they can just remember everything we've talked about and everything I'm working on when I'm living and breathing that and it's just one tiny piece of what's on their plate, that that's ridiculous. So it anytime I would go to a meeting with a client or manager, I would say, just a recap, last time what we talked about is that I'm currently building out this tool and the two risks were X and Y. And that just helps kind of reorient them as well as having like a standing meeting agenda. Or if I'm emailing and I'm asking for help or even in a face-to-face -face meeting with them and I'm asking for help, you have to really be clarify like what exactly are you asking for? You can't just go into a meeting with them and say, I feel overwhelmed. Right. You, like, what are you asking for help? What is it that you're asking for help with? So reducing correspondence, recapping discussion points and clearly stating or documenting your ask are ways you can manage up with your supervisor. We all stray from our foundations from time to time. Right. We get tired. We get overwhelmed or we are just juggling too many balls in the air and we, we can stray away from some of the foundations. I, th I think it was Newt Rockney. Every, every football season, he used to hold a football up in front of his collegiate players. And he would say, he would say, this is a football. And they all knew who, what a football was, but it was kind of this message of you need to always re-baseline in the foundations. If it's basketball, you've got to dribble the ball well before you can dunk. And so I, I, I've even found myself lately where I, my boss has gone, Euler, what's the ask? You know, what's the ask? What, what are you asking of me? And so I find... Anytime I take uh, a leader, particularly an executive, whether it's a customer or whether it's my boss, whenever I'm taking their time, I need to have an ask. I need to have something specific uh, that's an ask of them if I'm leveraging their time because their time is, is valuable and important. And I'm just one individual that's seeking that time and attention. So I need to be very crisp and clear. I also find on the, on the correspondence piece that there are going to be times when you you there's an urgent situation and you can't wait until you're one-on-one -on -one or you can't wait until mm -hmm. that batched email on Friday when you've batched all your questions and comments. Well, if, if you've exercised the behaviors that Lindsay's been talking about, then when you do send that one off, they mm -hmm. know, like it sends like a little flag up in the air and they know, Hey, this is, this is urgent. 
this is serious. This, this demands my time and attention. And I just recently had a meeting with my boss where I'm like, Hey, this is, this is important. I need your time. And so very unusual for me and maybe not so unusual for him. We met at 6.30 AM on a Sunday morning before he was going on vacation because I had made it very clear that I needed his time and why I needed his time. And he was willing to give it to me. Hmm. Uh, But again, we had a very clear pattern of communication that was very disciplined and structured. You know, I always reoriented him to the discussion because he's got a lot of other things on his plate. So reorient him. Hey, just want to remind you, this is where we're at. And, uh, and then very, very clear ask built into a very structured conversation. A mentor of mine used to tell me, you know, it's kind of the one, two, three rule. What's the business problem? That's one. Number, number two is the outcome. What kind of outcome are you trying to drive for? Three, that's the approach that you take to bridge business problem an outcome. And, and you can do that every single time you think through your agenda and your ask for your customer or, or, or for your boss. It's okay. What am I trying to solve? What am I trying to get out of this conversation? What are the agenda topics and the requests that I'm going to make to, to bridge that gap between the problem I'm trying to solve and the outcome I'm trying to get to. Right. Yeah. And understand that you are the agenda owner when you're meeting with your manager or supervisor. That's right. You need to put some thought into that. And I remember you telling me, Justin, you need to be really clear on what your objective is when you walk into a meeting with anyone. But I think particularly with your supervisor, what is it that you're trying to achieve in that meeting? And that's how you measure if you've been successful or not. That's right. If you, if you can't, if you can't clearly articulate what your objective is or what kind of outcomes you're trying to reach either, either way of looking at it, outcomes or objective, then you probably shouldn't be having the discussion. Or that discussion needs to hold until you can clearly articulate it. Mm -hmm. Because you'll make a bad impression on the supervisor. They won't be able to follow what you're saying. And that's a frustrating thing. You have to put yourself in the position of your manager. And I'm, I'm sure that many of you out there are a people manager and then also report up to a people manager. And so, you know, if you've got, if you've got two people working for you and one of them is thinking through what exactly is it that they need from you every time they approach you? They're recapping information for you. They're changing their style to make sure that they are working with you in a way where your priorities are aligned, that they're giving you information at the cadence and in the form that you prefer. And then you've got somebody else who's always looking to you to solve their problems and maybe sending you multiple emails per day, all of which are appropriate to send, but you've got four or five from them. When you see an email or a meeting invite from that person who's always managing you, you're going to prioritize it. You just are because you think this person takes care of everything. So if they need me, they must really, they must really need something. And I will prioritize their time because they prioritize mine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you and I were talking before we started recording just around the idea that again, whether it's your, your client or your customer or, or it's your supervisor or, or a leader that you're providing information to, chances are you are just one, one piece of a very full day, right? Mm -hmm. And they've got lots of things that they're load balancing in, in and throughout a day. And I know sometimes members of my team will call me and they'll just dive into the conversation. We'll have a one-on-one. They'll just dive into the conversation. And I, I'm like completely lost. I have no idea what they're talking about. Or it's it takes me a minute to map back to an earlier conversation. So I always very politely will just kind of step in and say, hey, 
you know what? Uh, I've been back to back all day. Could you just remind me, remind me where we're at in this conversation and where we need to go? And that's always a cue to them to, to kind of take a step back and, and reorient. I use, again, sometimes I use these military analogies, but I think if you're an outdoors person, like we, a lot of us are in the Pacific Northwest, you, you open a map, let's say it's even a road atlas. You kind of want to orient yourself to the terrain, right? Where am I? Am I near water? Am I near mountains? Am I on a road? You want to know where you're starting from and where you're going to. And so I always think of it from that approach. I want to start high, kind of at a, like 30,000 feet, like I'm sitting up in a plane. And I want to orient my boss to, or my client to the landscape that we're going to be traveling into. And then I slowly through my objectives and through my agenda, I start to get lower and lower and lower until I get down to ground level. And we start navigating uh, from point A to point B, but I've got to do that orientation first, or, you know, my boss is going to be like, are we on Mars? Are we on Venus? Where are we? I don't know where we're at. So it's like, Hey, we're on planet earth. We're over North America. We're over Washington state. Oh, and we're specifically, we're, we're right down here in Seattle. And that helps to kind of to frame his mindset so that he can best tune into what I have to say and where I need him to go. Otherwise, he's just lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I like your tip about what you tell people when they dive in to their subjects with you, because the flip side of this is if you are a people manager and you've got folks who don't follow any of these tips when they're approaching you, you can train them. You can tell them that the expectation is that they do start doing that, that you can, you can say to them, can you please be the driver of the agendas whenever we have our one-on-ones? Yep. And can you put a standing agenda together where you're bringing to me your asks for help, any kind of problems or risks that you're facing that you need, you need ideas for how to mitigate or solve, bring me your solution. <laughs> but let me look at it and give input into it. Any decisions that you need from me, that kind of stuff. And even just saying to them, as simple as what you said to me, hey, could you keep a log of everything that all the questions that come up and just send that to me at the, at the end of the week? Maybe you have uh, somebody who's right out of college or isn't performing as well as other team members, and they might need a little more handholding on how to manage up but you can give them the template. You can set the expectations and then just manage them to that. Yeah. I, I think a good leader, a good leader knows how to coach their people well and help articulate what, what they want and what they expect. And so uh, we've been focused kind of, kind of primarily on managing up, which is the topic of this particular, particular podcast episode, but part, part and parcel to that is, is learning how to set proper expectations with your people and really being clear about what you, what you need from them. That, that will help them to manage up, quite frankly, is if you set those very clear expectations. And, and I would say model that behavior because all of us have a boss. It doesn't matter how senior you are, you have someone you're reporting to and that you're managing up towards. And so I think it's it's good to model that behavior up. And, and most of the folks on my team, if they happen to join me when I'm on a call, with more senior executives than myself, they know that I'm going to have a set of objectives, uh, no more than three. My team knows no more than three objectives. <laughs> I'm going to have a very clearly articulated agenda. I'm going to have a very clearly articulated ask, and I'm going to make sure that I pause, ask questions, ensure that my boss is tracking with me. And they know that if I've asked them to participate in the call with my boss or with the senior executive, that I'm going to jump in and, and do some 
kind of gentle coaching if if I find that they're not communicating in the way that I've taught them how to communicate. So I, I definitely don't want them to lose face in front of a senior leader. I want to build them up and prop them up, but I'm going to find ways to kind of intervene into the conversation to kind of help coach them and prod them and guide them. So as much as it's important for us to manage up, we've also got to train train our people how, how we like to be managed. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Yep. Setting the expectation over and over and over again. That's one of the keys. That's all for today. Don't forget to head out to our website to download the tips and tricks worksheet from today's episode, download case studies, subscribe to our podcast and newsletter and more. And tune in next week for an all new episode. Thanks for listening.